Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast, episode 912 of the Real Deal Podcast. We are recording this on a Wednesday morning, early Wednesday morning, um, burning that midnight oil to say the least. I'm your host, Real Joe Quinn. Uh, we're going to do, of course, a lot of NFL and we'll you know, get into a couple of uh, things in regards to the college football as well. Very interesting weekend in the world in, in college football, to say the least. It should be a great weekend coming up. But we begin with our NFL themes for week number two, 2-0, and we can play defense too. Uh, of course, there are six, there are eight teams in the NFL right now that are 2-0. Six of them lie are in the NFC. Three of them are in the NFC East. Um, so you have that going on and we'll get to the we can play defense too as there were two very standout defensive performances for teams that right now in the AFC have Super Bowl aspirations uh, to say the least but we begin with the game of the week um, Baltimore handles his business 27-24 against, uh, against Cincinnati this is a very good game um, this was to me, I look at this game, it was all about it was all about Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson was phenomenal in this game. It was spectacular. Now, you what you're gonna say is, Cyril, what are you talking about? He only had fifty four yards rushing, twenty four thirty three, two hundred and thirty seven yards passing. That's why you have to you have to actually watch the game. He was in total and the fumble was listen, that wasn't on him. That was a great play by a defender. By the Cincinnati defense. That is, Cincinnati defense is a very good defense. They're well coached, well, well, well coached, fundamentally sound, well organized. They know how to defend uh, against the likes of Lamar Jackson. Um, we've seen what they've done against you know Patrick Mahomes in the last couple of years. Even though Kansas City was able to get by them in the AFC Championship barely uh, this past season, but I've heard you know from those who, you know, hate on Lamar Jackson. And it's been the same thing. You know, uh, all he does is run. Can he be uh, a classic pocket quarterback? Can he win games from the pocket? Well, he won this game from the pocket. He only ran for 12, for 54 yards, 12 carries, 54 yards. They did an excellent job of holding him, of keeping him in check. But his, and it was, it was the small things you watch, they were 9-14 on third downs. That was because of Lamar Jackson. Okay. 9-14 on third downs. And he just does, He just made little subtle uh, plays uh, from the pocket with his legs that really, you know, was the difference in this game. And, again, this was not – again, you can't – you just cannot look at the stats – in this particular game with Lamar Jackson. You have to look at just, I'll call it game control, him, his managing of the game, his making the right, the proper reads, his making the, you know, the, the key scram, a, a key run scramble at a big moment in the game. He had time, it was timely, he made timely plays. And again, most of them were from the pocket. So I love this performance, Al Lamar Jackson. I, I, again, it will not statistically; it won't probably it doesn't even rank in his top hundred performances from a statistical standpoint. We've seen Lamar Jackson run for over 150 yards. We've seen him have big 
time passing games as well. But it's not even about that. It's about, first of all, a, division, a divisional opponent on the road. That's number one. They had struggled uh, at versus, against Cincinnati the last couple of years in that stadium. And he, frankly, it wasn't even close. He outplayed Joe Burrow by a, a mile. Like, it really, it really was not close from that standpoint. So, uh, excellent win, excellent on the road. Road divisional win for uh, Baltimore. They're off to a 2 0 start. Their defense has been, you know, great through the first, through the first two games. Uh, Cincinnati has some issues offensively. They, they got to find a way to get Jamar Chase going. I mean, he's been, you know, he has been, uh, just been bad the first two games. They haven't, Still, I mean, it's still pretty. Look at Cincinnati falls to zero and two for the second straight season. I got, I'm not feeling. You don't write a team off after zero and two with fifteen games left. Of course not. But Joe Burrow is still Joe Burrow, but uh, it needs to get healthy though. But they, they are a team that's going to be teetering. It's going to be a very interesting week three for Cincinnati because uh, zero and three is a death nail in the NFL. So I would look for a desperate. I thought it was going to come this game, but I definitely would look for a desperate performance in week three from Cincinnati. But Baltimore keeps on rolling um, uh, with a, uh, again with a big divisional win over uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. We're going to deep dive um, before we, because we got plenty of NFL. But we're going to deep dive right now, not only one of the biggest uh, – Stories, not no, the biggest story in college football. It's not even close. One of the biggest stories in all of sports right now, and that is the phenomenon that Deion Sanders has going and at Colorado, where it's become every game has become bigger than a game. It's basically becoming an event. They um, were able to get by the the uh, in-state rivals, Colorado State. It was a close game, obviously with the overtime. Colorado State, frankly, outplayed them for most of the game. Let's be honest. Uh, but again, you give Colorado all the credit in the world. It was a character win down by 11, second half, fourth quarter. You get a 98 yard drive from Shador Sanders, who right now um, has been one of the leading candidates for the Heisman Trophy. He's, yeah, he's up there. His odds right now are six best um, early on. And even bigger than the win is what Deion Sanders is going to college football. He's changing the game, in essence. And he, like, you know, this game came on at 10 o'clock at night, late Saturday night. It was the fifth most watched ESPN college football game of all time. Think about how long ESPN has been doing college football for at least 40-plus years. The fifth most watched college football game ever. Um, Listen, Dion, and I said this in a podcast earlier, uh, a couple weeks ago, if you're a head coach in college football, you better be paying attention. If you're an up-and-coming head coach in college football, you better be paying attention to what Dion is doing right now as far as a blueprint for how you even have, would have a chance to be successful. Now, yeah, you might not have Dion. Of course, you don't have Dion's sport. You might not have his swag. You might not. Of course, you're not going to have his Hall of Fame career and things of that nature. But there are some things that you can take from Deion Sanders as far as, again, transfer portal, NIL, things of that nature. But here's here's the most here's the thing that's not being talked about enough. And I frankly, I love 
as an educator, I, I, I love disruption because I think that these systems, whether it politically, um, sports-wise, need to be really torn down completely. The old way of doing things is done. It's over with. It is. It's over. And Dion is showing you, if you don't get with this new program in the 21st century, in 2023, your team's not going to win. Your program's not going to be successful successful for an extended period of time. And, you know, he mentioned something. I have the quote. Have to this quote that he had. Uh, oh. yeah, he, did, he did a piece on 60 Minutes um, this past week, and he, he had a quote during the piece, and he says, my kids play for me. They don't choose a university. They choose me. And that's where college football is at right now. That's where if you want to have a program with a to have to have sustained success, these kids coming up don't care about Bear Bryant in traditional Alabama. They don't care about Nuke Rod Nuke Rodney. They have our ninety nine percent don't even know who hell who hell Nuke Rodney is. They only don't when you probably know who Nuke Host was. Okay. Uh, or barely Brian Kelly. They know they, well, they don't know Brian Kelly because he's coaching now. But you get what I'm saying from that standpoint. They don't care about the tradition of these of these old powerhouse blue blood college football teams. They don't care. They don't. And Deion Sanders is is, is in, he is invested in the players. He's promoting them for Heisman Trophy. He's going to he's taking care of the players. You get like I said the NIL deals. Um, he's, I mean, he loves his players. And I, I think what's not talked about with Deion Sanders is enough. Everybody gets caught up in the prime time and, you know, back in the day, Jerry Curl and all the stuff Deion did on the field. Deion was as confident and as arrogant of a football player, of an athlete that we've ever seen, but he backed it up. So, like, he's one of the greatest football players of all time, and he was a professional baseball player. Okay, so you know, I think this guy was a played two professional sports. All right, so I think that what's missed about Dion is what people don't talk about a lot, talk about enough. He doesn't. He's a Christian. He doesn't drink. Doesn't smoke. He built his football acumen from the ground up as a coach. Started out with Prime Academy, then Triple A, then Trinity Christian then Jackson State, and now he's at Colorado. So he's taking, there have been no shortcuts. He's taking, he has, I'm not, he's not perfected, but he is in the process of mastering his craft, of being a craftsman as a coach, mixing it in with the new, with the, this new evolution of where sports is at right now in terms of connecting with athletes. You cannot I don't care. No one cares about your X's and O's if you cannot connect with these young men on a human level. Period. And I would say that even in the classroom and education, you got like no one cares about just no one cares about your lessons plans don't mean nothing if they if the person if the student doesn't trust you. Period. That's that. I mean, I'm in education. I I know. So human like connecting on a human level. Neon has that down code. And again, it's just not talked about enough about the apprenticeship that he has taken 
to reach this level as a head coach. This is not an overnight thing. This was 2012 to 2020. That was eight years where it's not like Dion did, Dion did not come into a job right away and be gift wrapped, gift gift wrapped, uh, uh, you know, a USC or a big time job like that. No, and it wasn't going to happen. That wasn't going to happen at all. So he almost he had to take these steps. And again, it does not get talked about nowhere near enough. We talked. Everybody's so focused in on the Deion Sanders, the athlete, that they kind of try to connect that to Deion Sanders, the coach. Deion Sanders, the athlete, is not the same as Deion Sanders, the coach. They're not exactly the same. They're parts. Like, there's still that confidence in the swagger. But Deion Sanders, the coach, is way more humble and down to earth than Deion Sanders, the athlete, ever was. Like Deion, like Deion Sanders, the coach is not throwing ice water on the the late Temple Carver. It's just not happening. He's not. That's not who he. And again, that was immature, and it was very immature and unprofessional. Again, well, and again, he. I mean, he still doesn't. He still doesn't take accountability for that. But that's that's you know that's pride. He was dead wrong in that. But I don't. I, I believe. I, I I think there's a level of humility with Deion now that. Uh, that has caused this success. And it's not just talking to talk, it's actually going out there and walking the walk. You mentioned on the 60 Minutes special, people criticized him for the getting rid of all these Colorado players. He said T won one game last year. Like if I'm going if I'm going down, I'm going down with my players. I'm not going down with, with another coach's players. Like that's that's just stupid. And hustling backwards. So Right now, what's going on in college football? What's going on with Deion Sanders, Colorado is 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 incredible to say the least. It is there. They are must watch TV every week. Uh, they have a they have a brutal two game stretch where we're really going to find out where they can go from from you know talk of the country to possible championship national championship contenders. Are like are they on that level? Because they have Oregon State. Yeah, excuse me. You have Oregon and USC back to back. I think it would be a hell of a job for them just to split. Think about winning two. I don't. I don't think that's gonna. I just don't think that's gonna happen. Both those teams, LSU, USC, and Oregon are loaded, especially USC. They have uh, Keller Williams, and we know what type of quarterback player he is. They split. That's a hell of an accomplishment. Megan, they they are absolutely here to stay. Like this is, they're going to get the top. They're going to get great recruits in. Um, the question is, how long will he stay at Colorado before the next, like, big, big job gets offered to him? Because that's, com- that's coming down the pike. Like, somebody, a blue blood school, somebody's going to offer him a a just shitload of money to come to their school, a blue blood. That's coming up because these coaches have not, you know, the, you know these these jobs, these uh, the pressure that's going to be on these coaches is, you know, these seats are getting hotter like by every time, every time Colorado wins a game, the athletic directors are saying, "Hey," or the presidents are saying, "Hey, look, what? Hold on, they only won one game, and how long have you been here? And you have this recruiting base versus what their talent? What, what are we doing here?" So Dion is definitely putting the pressure on these other college co- football coaches to win now. But forget about what. Just remember what the, the things that are not talked about in regard uh, enough when it go, in regards to Deion Sanders outside of the confidence and the flash and all that stuff that you that we grew up on, uh, and then you know the 
late 80s, early 90s, um, with his Florida State and professional football day. All the thoughts, um, bounce back, nice bounce back win for the Bulls. So the Raiders are, are god awful. We know this. Um, listen, it's not a coincidence, and we you can we can we can like go back like to last season, season before when we looked at the Bulls, especially last season when we started this segment. When the Bulls run the football, they are nearly unbeatable. 35, 35 rushes for 183 yards. I think Josh Allen threw, threw the ball 37 times, if that. I don't, I don't think he would do it, do it less than that. But when they run the ball, they they almost, like I said, they're almost unstoppable. I was never concerned about the defense. You know, you know their defense was not the problem last week at all, uh, in, my, in my opinion. Um, Offensively, they were you know a shit show with the turnovers. So you clean up the turnovers, you run the ball, and you look like, uh, you know, I mean, you do what you're supposed to do. They, they like listen, we can't. We're not going to engage Buffalo against the Oakland Raiders. It's going to be against you know the, the likes of Kansas City. It's going to be against the likes of the other top top dog top dogs in the uh, AFC in particular. Uh, Miami is you know Miami. So no, a nice just a nice win to keep. People at bay at least for a week. Uh, they had the Commanders uh, this week, so we'll we'll see what happens with that. They they should beat the Commanders. They're clearly better, they're a better team. But listen, you know Washington's played well so far at two and zero. We'll see what happens. But uh, just kind of one of those wins that kind of stabilizes. Like you come off a loss where your quarterback has four turnovers, and you you need a win like this to kind of quiet people enough for just take take them off your back for a week. You know, the, the Bill Nation, Bill Moffitt can kind of, you know, pick the chin up and like, all right, we, 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 we're we not good, but we're, you know, the, you know, the, the waters are now calmer, sadly. Stock up, stock down. Um, stock up, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, he's been the best offensive player in football so far. Uh, he leads the NFL in rushing. Up into the uh, with 268 yards, he's averaging 6.3 yards a carry, which is just insane. It's not like these are on 10 or 15 carries; they're on 42 carries. Matter of fact, there's concern about his workload. Remember, this guy in the course. I mean, Kyle Shanahan is a master at, at using utilizing the running game and the scheme. So it, it again, we knew if he could stay healthy, he he would flourish in his offense. Even going back, he was again, he was the turning point last season. When they made that trade and they took off along with Brock Purdy and and, what, and, and how well he played, um, he's going to be he's going to become such an offensive player of the year. We know how this is almost impossible for a running back to win MVP. That's just not going to happen. There are too many great quarterbacks in the league. Uh, listen, remember this guy has been an All Pro. He's been a Pro Bowler. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy. The years he's been healthy, go look at his numbers. Like he every time he's every time he's played like fifteen, sixteen games, he's been basically almost two thousand combined yards or close to it. And he's been one of the most productive backs in the league. The problem is he always he always was hurt and couldn't stay on the field. So he's definitely stock up, stock down, Monday night doubleheaders. I, I can't like I'm sorry. Like I I love watching football, but I a we can't do two games on Monday night. It's just ridiculous. Two average games at best. Again, the NFL is trying to take, they want every single dollar. They, you know, it's not even about the quality of the product. They know everybody's watching. 
they know everybody's going to watch. They know they have the most powerful sports product uh, in minus soccer in on the planet, especially out of the four major sports. They already they they already know this, but you know they, these double these weak this this these weak double headers just like, like I can't can't do it. Like as you can, it's just greed, and you know this week. You have Carolina Saints. I know you want to sell Bryce Young, but you know he's not ready yet. And then the nightcap, but not nightcap, but the game following during the same time by by you know by a chance. And, um, during the same time, by the way, you have Pittsburgh and Cleveland. Now you saw just one of the great defensive performances of the week with J with with, with TJ Watt. TJ Watt was just all over the place, and the stats on his individual numbers in that game don't do him, but don't do. His performance justice. He was like a man possessed in that game. Like Deshaun Watson had no chance, and uh, that game was fine. But it, yeah, you know these, these doubleheaders, I I can't. You can't do them, man. They're going to have one coming up this week, unfortunately. Uh, but you know, getting the NFL is trying to is. They're gonna like the NFL this year. Um, kind of pulling from the NBA's playbook as far as backloading some of the big games. You, if you look at this week's schedule, week three, there's not a lot. Of, there's not a lot of good games. There, it's another to me weak slate of games. They're not like you now again. The Jets messed a lot of people up. The Aaron Rodgers thing messed a whole lot. They're gonna mess a whole lot of games up because the Jets were. You know, with Aaron Rodgers could have been, like I said, a friend Super Bowl contender. That's gonna that, that hurts not just the Jets, but just hurts the NFL product in general. For hurts the NFL from a television standpoint in general. Uh, matter of fact, I would strongly consider if I was the NFL of definitely flexing the Jets out of a couple of those games. They're gonna have to. So that hurts, but uh, I just I just think that the the Monday Night Doubleheader is just a horrible it's a horrible idea. But you know. The NFL wants you know wants every single dollar. So you know what you're gonna you know what are you gonna do from that standpoint? Who won the week? Uh, Lamar Jackson. Uh, I think to me is not even just uh, I can't I could have made a case for some other guys, but not on that level. Like I said, you win a game in the division. We already talked about what he did. Again, just the subtle things, the intangible things that people say that he didn't have as a quarterback from the pocket. Well, he did those things in that particular game. And it was clearly to me, um, clearly won the week. But before I get the real thoughts, um, couple of uh, couple of things on couple of games to, to, of note, um, marquee games. Since I, the Kansas City performance is, it should be scary for the rest of the league. Um, they took out Jacksonville seventeen nine. Chris Jones returns. Uh, coincidence. They only give up nine points and completely just dominate uh, the 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 Jacksonville Jaguars. Even though again, it was only seventeen nine, but you never got the sense that Jacksonville was going to win that game. Um, again, I, Cincinnati lost game the first game. I said, "Who's out?" Chris Jones and Kelsey. They're fine. And again, it's scary for the rest of the AFC because we know Patrick Mahomes and that offense is going to score points. That I'm not even worried about that. They're gonna score. They're gonna score points. They're gonna their, their offense will be fine, but if their defense can come close, like if they, if they have a they have a chance to have a legit probably top twelve, top ten defense. If they're anywhere near that, I don't see how you beat. I don't see how you beat this team 
with Mahomes. And again, you know how smart they are as an organization. They they will pluck a receiver from off off another team that somebody to plug in to help out Mahomes if the offense is sputtering that much. They're gonna get they're gonna find somebody. Speaking of Mahomes, um he gets a contract uh extension or his contract be done now, which is gonna make him for the next four years the highest paid quarterback ever. Like nobody's gonna get more money down in a four year span, somewhere like uh, two hundred and ten million dollars in the next for the next four years. Uh certainly no surprise. Uh they again they are playing they are playing checkers, playing chess, not checkers. This 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 thing has been planned out for years. When Mahomes signed the 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 twenty twenty deal, ten years, four hundred fifty million dollars, and he could have got he actually could have got bored. It was a team friendly deal. All this stuff was in the works going back years. This franchise is again is just playing chess. They knew what was coming down the pike with with with, with what some of these other quarterbacks were going to get, and they eventually were going to take care of Mahomes. And now, now listen, not only does he get his money, but they, he allows them, he works with them. They're going to be able to create cap space for them to add pieces to to the team in, in future years. So, again, they're playing chess. Uh, obviously, a no-brainer. He's the best player in the sport. We know that he was going to get it, eventually get his money, um, and he gets it in, you know, two to ten million dollars over four years. Jeez. Um, Dallas, New York, Dallas, New York, uh, another game of note, 30 to 10. They've outscored Dallas, has outscored their opponent 70 to 10. The defense has been spectacular, but let's not, let's not, let's not hand out some gold trophy quite yet. They've played Zach Wilson and they played, uh, Daniel Jones. So I'm not going, not going to lose my mind over the Cowboys. We know that. It comes down to can they beat Philly? Can they beat San Francisco? That's what it comes down to. Can they beat those two teams? That because I say that's all. Those are the two teams that they're going to have to compete to for you know for anybody to take them seriously as Super Bowl contenders, contenders. But listen, Mackay Park, uh, Michael Parsons has been just a he's. Uh, I guess I was talking to the Cowboy fan today. This evening, and I like he reminds me of you know Richmond High Jefferson when they <laughs> when uh his car when uh Spicoli, you know, because he wanted to win a bet, destroyed his car, and then he goes out there and basically devours the team single handedly. So that like that's how Maca- uh Michael Parsons is playing right now. He's playing out of his mind. Uh would obviously be you know, the vote was taking defense player a year right now. Um uh, he's destroying people and listen, Cowboys are doing what they're supposed to do against inferior competition. Like, these are two inferior opponents. They smacked around. Okay, 2-0. and You got 15 games left. So I'm not still not getting on the bandwagon of the Cowboys. Still don't trust the Cowboys because they, again, they don't trust, in essence, don't trust their quarterback. Washington had a very good win over Denver on the road, 35-33. Um, they were down at 1.21-3. Uh they stuck with the running game. The defense turned it up with the pressure. Got to Russell Wilson six times. And Denver right now, and I watched that game, Denver, just they're just a bad football team they, from all around. They, they're not um, – it's going to be an interesting year with Denver because I, I don't see this improving. Um, there's not one move they can make that's going to turn their season around from that standpoint. 
And you look at his Russell Wilson contract, it's not going to age well. He's due $35 million and $55 million in the years 24 and 25. He's, only, he's actually only you know, $22 million, which is certainly which is manageable, especially for a perceived franchise quarterback. But after that, it gets ugly. And I'll tell you right now, um, you know, it's not like in the NFL, even though there's no guaranteed contracts in the NFL like the NBA, you can't cut him. Like, you, you, I mean, you're, this is your guy for the next two years. And the problem is, minimum, the next two years. And the problem is, you you paid him this extension. You paid him like a guy who could elevate uh, a franchise. You didn't, play, you didn't pay him like a guy to be just okay. This year, he's just been okay. So, when that... Yeah, so when that extension, not extension, when that money kicks in for real for real next year, they're gonna be in up shit's creek without a paddle. Like they have no answers. They like Sean Payton is is it's gonna be very interesting, interesting to see how Sean Payton Payton navigates this. Cause I like I don't that you you can't move Russell Wilson. That try nobody wants that contract. Nobody should should ever even dream of even touching that contract. So if we could trade them, it's not even an option. Um, you're stuck with him. I mean, you're stuck. Like when you signed him to that, you signed him to that extension, you know, you were betting uh, that he would ele- that along with Sean Payton that he could elevate this team. Um, and that's not been the case, and it's not going to be the case. He's past that point. He's not a bad player, but he's just okay. And again, you you're not paying him just okay money. Again, a couple of interesting things before I get the real thoughts. Um biggest disappointment had to be the Nick Chubb injury is like Nick Chubb has been the probably one of the best running backs in all of football. The best running he's like like right now he's probably the best running back in all of football and has been for like the last three to four years uh with the knee with the knee injury and that's why you don't pay running backs. Like it's just that simple. I that's the first thing I thought when he injured his knee. And then you know say Colin Barkley gets hurt but he's only gonna be out for three weeks. He'll be back. Nick Chubb, then you know, you have people on the internet. Well, this is why he was wanting his money. Like, yeah, that's two things to be true. Yeah, you're always at a risk for injury, but there's a reason why you don't give running backs that kind of money. They they is they get hit on every play. Either they're running or blocking. Like they they literally get hit on every single play, offensive play. So you that wear and tear. Uh, you know, that one interior is too much, can be too much, and you don't, it just, I, I think, I don't, and I, I, I did not get the public outcry of people just clamoring for running backs to be paid. I, I just, like, I, like, what, what are you watching here? This is business, and you have to pay your quarterback an exorbitant amount of money if you have any, if you, if you have any quarterback with a chance. If you have a quarterback who's anywhere near being a franchise quarterback, so I, I never got that discourse of, yeah, you know, running backs are being squeezed out. No, this is actually what they should be making. This is why you don't pay, don't pay one, just a ridiculous amount of money. Uh, as far as week three, like I said, the games are not like that. For week three, you're talking Denver, Miami again. The only reason that that has entry because Denver, like they, you know, it's one of those season on seasons on the lines type game against a Miami offense. I mean, Washington put 35 on Denver. What is Miami going to do? And Miami is going to be, the offense is going to be angry because they probably felt like they had an off game 
against the Patriots, only scoring, you know, 24 points. So that that could get ugly fast. And Giants-San Francisco, always from a nostalgic standpoint, you know, these teams won Super Bowls and they played in a few couple of NFC championships. So it, it brings back some memories from that standpoint. But on paper, like San Francisco, that could get ugly fast as well. That giant offense against San Francisco's defense is a matchup you just don't like uh, if you're a giant fan. So, again, another whole home week for me as far as not that drop-dead matchup where you have to be glued to. Of course, NFL, week, like weeks like this, don't get fooled. You're still going to get something that draws you to the game. There's going to be some wild games. Uh, there's gonna be some comebacks, like you know, even Arizona, the Giants was a you know twenty-one point comeback. Washington, Denver, twenty-one point comeback. Uh, the Seattle, Detroit game was a very good game. So even when you don't get that 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 number one marquee matchup, you still end up getting some good action in, in a week like this. Uh, real thoughts. Um, before I let you go, uh, so Nas kind of came out with Magic, uh, last week, uh, his six. And up, uh, you know, sixth and maybe final album with with Hit Boy, and I was just thinking about, you know, what does artistry and craftsmanship look like in twenty twenty three, and it looks like Nasir Jones because as long as you when you have those things as a creator, you can perform forever. In essence, like you look at other genres of music, classical rock, you know. You got these performers that are performing well into their sixties and seventies in the sixties and seventies, and I think Nas is going to end up falling into that category if he so chooses to. I think it's nothing. To, there's nothing to me that tells me that Nas won't be rapping at sixty or sixty-five. He, you know, God willing, he lives that long. Like there's nothing telling me. Like this guy is a master of his craft. Pure and simple. He's a, he's a savant. You never like again. Again, he you will never see another Nas. You just not because there's too much money in rap and hip hop right now for rappers to even have that type of longevity. And let's be honest, also as well, they're not putting in the time to as from a craft standpoint because you don't have to. You have SoundCloud, you got YouTube, you got so many other outlets where you can instantly become a star off a hit or TikTok or some or shit like that. There again, we talked about it earlier with Deion Sanders not taking any shortcuts. Nas, there was no shortcuts from Nas in terms of training himself, reading the books, what have you, having to fight now again, having to fight as a musician. So, but there were no shortcuts in terms of uh, getting to where Nas is at right now. There just weren't. He just, I mean, obviously, immense talent, but you know, talent isn't everything. It, I mean, you have to begin. You have to be. If you want to get to that level, if you want to, if you want to stay on for not get to Nas's level, but if you want to be great for an extended period of time, you have to, you have to. Uh, there is an apprenticeship, and you have to master or be attempting to master your craft. That is a lost art in today's society. I hate to sound like the old head on get off my lawn, but it just is. Everybody wants instant gratification. That's how again Nas and Dion similar. Very similar as far as having immense talents, immense talent, and mastering their craft. Period. Mastering their craft. No missed it, no skip steps. Missteps. No skip steps, I should say. Six albums in roughly three years. 
and you have a situation where again we, we this is a one of the most unprecedented runs in in Dubai that any artist any hip hop artist rap artist has ever had point blank period no artist no rap artist Nas's age in their forties and fifties have had this type of run not even like well, I mean not even remotely close as like like not even you can't even sniff it sniff a uh, 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 you can't no there's no not even close to this run. I mean, most guys, you know, that were prominent back in the 80s and early 90s, they're either doing television or just doing producing and things of that, or things of that nature or just retired from music or just doing, like, retired from, definitely from rapping, doing behind-the-scenes stuff or just collecting checks from some from their residuals or, you know, uh, from their masters, you know, that they, that they may own from that standpoint. But they're not rapping. <laughs> they're not. And I think Nas was trolling y'all a little bit too with the Hip Boy as a as a producer. Because you remember he had that ridiculous narrative over the course of his year, over the course of his career, that Nas has you know bad beats. And I'm like, have you listened? I mean, have you seen some of the producers that producers that he's had over the course of his career? That narrative is um, hasn't aged well, and it's a ridiculous one to say the least. But six albums in three years. And I remember the first you know King's Disease came out in 2020. And that is again the work ethic, the grind, you, the amount of focus you have to have to to produce at the level he's produced in that short amount of time span is next level. And again, classic Nas album as far as efficiency: fifteen tracks, forty-five minutes. That's it, forty-five minutes. Like, just get right to the point. Boom, 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 and and here we go. But again, pay attention to the craftsmanship. And the artistry. That's why I said Nas is like it's like a novel, and with, with any like it's like it's like uh, listen, you know, I equate Nas to being like the Wire, the rapper. If the Wire, if, if the rap was, if the Wire was a rapper, it would uh, it would be Nas. There's no question about it. And listen, you got to go over a Nas album multiple times because there's so many hidden gems in there. Got to do it multiple times. One or two listens, of course, is not enough. You got you know, it's it's a number of things that he drops in that um in that album. So we'll see what happens. What's his next move will be? Probably I'm guessing probably will take twenty twenty four off. I mean, it's a lot of work in a, in a short period of time. He has you know a number of investments. He has going to enjoy himself. He probably do you know he's touring. He's touring with Wu Tang as we speak. Um, so we'll see what his next move would be. Uh. You know, as he you know will as he uh, records his last album, Magic Three with Hip Boy, and who says they'll, they'll probably work again? But maybe they'll probably work again. I don't think this is done forever. That's going to wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. This podcast, of course, will be up late, probably late tomorrow, late this evening, early Thursday. Um, Snowfall episode five will be coming up this weekend, and you know we still. I'm still going to drop the Wire series finale podcast before the month is over to, again, to commemorate Back to School month, September, you know, Back to School month. So we'll we'll drop that. Um, well, not, that's not even so much Back to School month. That's just because of just the positive feedback that you know, I received from 
the first Wire Hall of Fame podcast. Um, so we're going to drop the Wire series finale. So before the bump is out. So a lot of great things coming up. Also, maybe some surprise guests as well. We'll see about that. Have a great, great Wednesday. So long. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.